You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It is the Arrowhead Pride Draft Special. We're just 24 hours away from the NFL Draft. We thought prior to this week, Thursday night would have been a little bit more exciting until the Chiefs trade away their first pick yesterday for defensive end Crank Clark. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, here with Kent Swanson, our lead film and draft analyst, and the always exuberant, (laughs) always energetic. (laughs) Back in this chair, baby. Player Sean Barber, and for the next hour, we'll be talking about the NFL draft from a Chiefs perspective for you. Again, that begins tomorrow night. And while you would want for this to be a just draft show, just draft specific, all draft talk, it's hard not to start the show without talking about the news we heard today from the Johnson County District Attorney Office with the press conference. The statement uh, that sticks with you is the office has reviewed all the evidence compiled by these agencies and has declined to file any charges against Tyree Kill and Crystal Espinal, uh, that being his fiance. So that felt like good news until I think the second part where he said, we are deeply troubled by this situation or concerned about the health and welfare of the child in question, three-year-old son of Tyree Kill and Crystal Espinal. We believe that a crime has occurred. However, the evidence in this case does not conclusively establish who committed the crime against this child. Criminal cases must be proven beyond a reasonable doubt by admissible evidence. Not speculation, rumor, or hearsay. Despite this decision, there will be continued involvement by state officials to ensure the safety of the child. Those actions are separate and apart from our decision on criminal charges because of the ongoing child protection investigation. We will be unable to discuss the facts of this case with you. Uh, it was Steve Howe who looked incredibly frustrated with this decision today, and he really couldn't reveal much because of the child involved. My takeaway was twofold from this today. One thing you got to realize is there were no charges filed. I, I think that's what everyone wanted to know. Would there be fi- uh, charges filed against Tyree Kill? The answer was no. What bothers me and, and what's tough about this situation is how went on to say, listen, uh, a crime was committed, uh, and that's the only reason there was no charges because they don't know who did it, which, again, now you entered the press conference hoping that you would find answers, and I think what we got from it was a few more questions and that's tough. And you wonder what the NFL will do to respond. You wonder how the chiefs should respond. It's just, it actually felt like maybe it got more complicated today. Uh, You guys are are both dads. I am not. So this probably hits a little bit closer to home for you. Uh, I'll just turn it to you guys. What was your initial reaction to this news today? Well, you know, just, you just don't want to talk anything into, uh, into reality. That's not reality. Um, You know, I got some. I got five boys, and they're some rough and tumble boys. They 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 play hard. Um, we've had broken bones. We've had some things going on in our in our, in our house. Nothing, um, you know. God forbid, 
you know, no, no abuse of a kid, anything like that. But um, it just it's hard to know with with only seeing uh, one side of a story. Um, you're only looking at it from one direction. Uh, most stories, you know, you need you need a, a 360 degree view of it to really understand exactly what happened in what time frame. And then when you have two parents who obviously uh, their goal is to protect one another. Um, and at the end of the day, make sure that they don't cause each other harm or cause, you know, their union any harm. Um, it, it, it's going to be very tough to do anything with this information except for pretty much uh, tag it, save it for a later date and just kind of move on with life. Right. You yeah. Like my, my thing was today, too. I, I don't think there was anything definitive said. But the one thing that that stuck with me personally was it just was highly, highly disturbing more yeah. than anything else. Well, and I have a my. My kid turns three here in a month, so I mean I'm I'm thinking through some of this stuff and just I am glad that their child is currently safe per the district attorney, uh, and that obviously trumps everything for me beyond football. I it, it's 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 really sad. I mean I think one of these things that you kind of see when stuff like this happens is you know regardless of charges were filed or any of that stuff, things like this and the Robert Kraft situation they bring to light realities of our world. There's there is child abuse in our world, and you know charges weren't filed today, and I'm not saying that that they necessarily were or anything like that, but I think there's just hug your kids, love right. your kids, and the same thing, you know, I, I just think these kind of situations they bring forth the realities of the world with you know like with Robert Kraft and some of the you know sexual exploitation out there and then stuff like this with you know there's there's child abuse out there, and um, I'm I'm hugging on my kid when I get home. Right. I, I and I feel that. And again, that's a, that's an aspect of my life that I, I can't relate to. Maybe one day I will. I think a lot of questions that Chiefs fans have out there today is what's going to happen when Tyree kill. I would say that he'll probably still be on the Kansas City Chiefs football team, at least for this season. He was set to earn one of the richest contracts in NFL history, certainly franchise history to become one of the highest paid wide receivers in the game. I doubt that happens now. Highly, highly doubt. I think he's suspended for a certain amount of time. And if I'm really predicting, I think at the end of this year, the Chiefs kind of let him walk. Yep. They collect their um, what would be a third round compensatory pick, most you know most likely if if the way it shakes out, and and they kind of walk away from the situation. I don't ju- I just don't see Clark Hunt, who took a chance on this kid, um, wasn't able to stay completely clean again. We don't know, as right. Sean pointed out uh, very astutely, we don't know definitively uh, definitively right. what happened. Uh, but I think the deal was listen. You got to stay clean if you want to be a member of this organization. The Chiefs gave him a chance. Uh, up until this point, it, it it really felt like he was an upstanding citizen. But I just this is my opinion. Saying now, I think play out this year. Um, I know fans will hope that he helps win a Super Bowl, but I just can't see them bringing him back in a long term deal. Remains to be seen. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about maybe that impact on the draft if he is going to be suspended. Do the Chiefs go wide receiver a little earlier? We'll get into that. Uh, another big story yesterday. The Chiefs acquire defensive end Frank Clark. I'll read you the terms. If you haven't heard them yet, I'm sure you have. But just in case, the Chiefs 2019 first rounder, that's tomorrow's pick, number 29 overall, that goes to the Seahawks. The lower of the Chiefs two 2020 second rounders goes to the Seahawks. The Chiefs 2019 third rounder, number 92 overall, that goes to the Seahawks. The Chiefs get back defensive end Frank Clark and the Seahawks third rounder. So number 84 uh, overall, the Chiefs actually move up a little bit in the third round. It's probably bigger than people realize. We can talk a little bit about that. Let's go to ESPN's Todd McShay. I think when you lose three defensive linemen and you've got to protect a secondary that is deficient, 
and you got to get pass rushers. And, and you're not going to find a better one where Kansas City was drafting at the bottom of the first round in this year's class. You're just not. As good as this class is with, with Nick Bosa, Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, Cleveland Farrell, I just know what I'm getting with Frank Clark. So to me, it, it makes sense, even though, admittedly, they did give away a lot. Kent, you've watched this class. You made the KC draft guide, which is still available uh, hey, for everyone out there. Uh, you've watched a lot of edge rushers in this draft. The consensus, it seems, is that at number 29, the Chiefs weren't going to sniff a player like Frank Clark in this class. you agree with that? I do agree with that. And I think even if you look at you know most of the pass rushers in this class, Craig actually has been doing some analysis. Craig Stout, you'll talk to him here in a little bit, about you know the first-year production of edge rushers. They typically, even first-round players, typically on average, get between four and five sacks in their rookie year. So what you are doing is you are moving up that developmental process to getting a known commodity, a a, a known player that is coming off of a 13-sack season. So from an immediate production, if the Chiefs are really trying to go for it now and trying to win a Super Bowl in Patrick Mahomes' rookie contract window, then getting an established pass rusher like this that has a higher you know ceiling for year one of this contract or year one versus, you know, against a, you know, a rookie edge, they've positioned themselves better for a more immediate production. I think that's something that sometimes gets lost in this whole thing, right? Is the, because picks are obviously valuable, right? But something that gets lost is you really still have to hit on the first round. Even a ton of first rounders will not pan out to be great NFL players. What you do when you get a player like this is you're solidifying a starter really, really hard to find in, in the entire first round for the most part. Day one starters that are going to be ready when they're kids in the National Football League because, as they say, Sean, and you know this well, the men play on Sundays. Frank Clark, we know, is a man, and a lot of people describe him as a dog. If you have any doubt about the manhood of one Frank Clark, all you got to do is put on his highlight film (laughs) and watch what he does to the Raiders' offensive tackle over and over again, watch what he does to the Denver Broncos' uh, tackle over and over and again. Um, Many times he he takes grown men and make them have a seat Arizona Cardinals uh, offense tackle. He, he puts he puts guys right in the lap of quarterbacks um, many many a times. And I, all I would say is when you compare the two players, you know, even beyond statistics, um, when it comes to like finishing the play to the ball, pursuit after the quarterback, that relentless pursuit down the line of scrimmage. Um, as many times you see Frank Clark start on the right side, and he ends up at the left sideline pushing a quarterback out of bounds, or, or the opposite, right, starting at one end and chasing the running back out of bounds on the other sideline. It was just far and few between where you didn't see that type of pursuit uh, from D. Ford. And when you look at um, Frank Clark's highlight, there are some plays in there that you you can't imagine D. Ford doing that. It's just not – it wasn't in his uh, profile. But everything that you've seen from D. Ford, Frank Clark can do that and more. And so I know know going back to a year ago, they both kind of were trending in the same – you know, as far as contract they were looking for, uh, they're looking for similar money. I'm obviously saying Fran rewarded uh, D4 with a nice contract, and we rewarded Frank Clark. But at the end of the day, besides Vaughn Miller and Mack, uh, pretty much Frank Clark was the next most dominant defensive player in the league. Here's NFL's Mike Garavolo on Frank Clark versus D Ford. Real quick on the Chiefs' end, they got rid of D Ford and then traded for Frank Clark. You say, well, what's going on there? D Ford, in their minds, more of a situational pass rusher. Frank Clark, more of a complete player that can give you stuff down in and down out. That's why the Chiefs make this move to bring in Frank Clark. I think a lot of people agree with that, and I. I think that one thing that that gives me pause, and again, I think you got to paint the whole picture when you think about these things. What 
months after Kareem Hunt was released from this team, he's now with the Cleveland Browns, we're here on the day of a district attorney press conference on a player with off-the-field issues. There were these collegiate issues uh, that this player, Frank Clark, had. Again, what is worth being said, and I think you always got to paint the full picture, is he's been clean since 2015. Uh, the Chiefs always say that they do their due diligence. Is this a risk only because of the recent climate of the team? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, you could probably chalk it up as a little bit of a risk. Yeah, I mean, there is a history of this, and there has been some instances in recent history that have at least brought attention to um, this kind of conversation um you know we're experiencing it today right so um yeah it's it's probably a little bit of a weird timing for this kind of move however um you know he hasn't done he hasn't really he hasn't really had any um issues basically since joining the national football league i think the one thing that has bothered me over the past few days with this is when you do try to paint that full picture I remember a couple of years ago, and I've said it on an Arrowhead Pride radio before, I just remember the outrage when Tyreek Hill was drafted here. And I think over the years, because of Andy Reid and this team failing, they've gotten more and more frustrated that the team has not won the Super Bowl. So now you put this stuff out there, and I just have seen a lot of fans that have just said, yeah, you know, we're not worried about what they do off the field. We're just trying to win the Super Bowl. I don't think it's a Kansas City problem. I just think it's a sports problem, and I just, I just wish people wouldn't get there. Again, I'm not trying to crucify Frank Clark. I hope he does well. I hope he, what he's continued with, with since 2015. I think he'll be a great player for this Chiefs defense. But remember, when we put this information out there as reporters, I think it's just to give you the choice, give you the option, make sure you're informed as a Chiefs fan you're going to put money into this team. There's one person out there who really didn't like this trade for the Chiefs. His name is ESPN's Bill Barnwell graded the trade a D-. And we have a defensive film analyst who happens to disagree. His name is Craig Stout. He'll be on with us next next. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Draft Special. We're just 24 hours away from the NFL Draft. Pete Sweeney hanging out with Ken Swanson, Sean Barb, Julia Sanchez. Ken, this is like literal Christmas for you. It's it's Christmas, but not the real Christmas. It's Draftmas Eve. Today is Draftmas Eve. I am irrationally excited for this weekend. This is the second year in a row there won't be a first-round pick. Are you a little bit bothered by that? I am undeterred. <laughs> still, we didn't we didn't have money in. for a bike in the budget this year for a draft miss present, but we're still getting some good stuff. So I'm I'm okay. I'm happy. It's like you got your present before Christmas and you can wait maybe another day. That, there there it is. I got it. Yeah. There you go. I like that one. So right now I, I do want to welcome on the offensive film analyst for Arrowhead Pride. His name is Craig Stout. Craig will be in studio with Kent Swanson and Jay Binkley tomorrow night, which will give you Chiefs-specific NFL draft coverage. Again, the Chiefs aren't picking, but you'll get stuff like, well, what are the Oakland Raiders doing with their three first-round picks? What are the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos doing with their 
uh, first round draft picks. We still how, got good stuff. How will they It'll answer? be good. It'll and be you'll fun. You'll get some analysis on day two as well, so be sure to tune into that. But, Craig, I want to talk to you tonight. I want to start with your new nemesis, ESPN's Bill Barnwell, who graded the Chiefs trade for Frank Clark a D minus. Please tell Bill, tell the world why Bill is wrong about this deal. Uh, no, see, this is Bill that his, the entire premise behind him giving this a D you know, grade on this was because he feels like the compensation was too much. And that's fine if Bill believes that the compensation was too much. My problem was the formula that he used to calculate how much the compensation was put the Chiefs at like the eighth pick in the draft. And so he used a lot of metrics to show what the eighth pick in the draft costs and what kind of production they got. Well, here's the thing. The, what the Chiefs gave up wasn't worth the eighth pick in the draft. It was worth the 24th pick in the draft. So if you look at it from that standpoint, the Chiefs moving up five spots in the draft to have a shot to trade for Frank Clark, make a big extension – it's a lot different than trying to say that, you know, they moved up to number eight overall to try and draft, you know, trade for Frank Clark and pay him a big extension. So that was my beef with it. I just feel like the entire the entire argument that he had was just a little bit off there. Bill, obviously not a subscriber of the KC Draft Guide where you can find a draft <laughs> chart uh, that tells you all about what the actual NFL GMs use on draft night to determine how to move up, how to move back, so on and so forth. But here we are. We're with Frank Clark. That is your equivalent, probably most likely your uh, unofficial first-round pick for the Chiefs in 2019. Uh, why do you feel, Craig, that Clark is such a good fit for Spagnolo, whereas D. Ford probably was not? Well, and I'm going to preface this with I'm a big D. Ford fan. I wanted D. Ford on this defense. I think he's an excellent pass rusher. I think he's an ascending player who finally got good coaching for the first time. But that being said, Steve Spagnuolo likes longer, stronger, bigger defensive ends that he can line up in all kinds of places. D. Ford is going to primarily rush in San Francisco in a 4-3, so he's still a fit for a 4-3, but he's going to rush off the edge from outside the tackle. Steve Spagnuolo very often blitzes guys off of the shoulder of that defender, and so he likes for them to align a little more inside, maybe a little inside the tackle or head up of the tackle. And so in situations like that, D. Ford is not going to be an effective player. He's going to get run over in the run game, and he's not going to be as effective as he's rushing the passer. Frank Clark will, Emmanuel Agba will, Alex Okafor will. These types of guys are guys that can line up a little more inside and offer Spagnuolo a little more versatility and ability to come off the edge with different blitzes and offer different stunts and twists, and it just plays a lot more into his scheme than D. Ford would have where he kind of would have had to play a specific role in that defense. Now, Frank Clark is, is 25 years old, and as you're saying, he's much more of a fit uh, than Ford was. Do you like the five-year contract that the Chiefs handed him? Uh, again, that is for $105.5 million with $63.5 million guaranteed. Given his age and his production and what everyone sort of tells you about his makeup, again, since 2015, you happy with the contract? Yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with his contract. In reality, it ends up being... 
roughly a three-year guarantee, and then they can get out of it in year four. The thing that's really kind of something to watch is how low his first-year cap hit. It's probably going to be around $5 million this year, and then next year it really ramps up. I believe Joe Corey said next year is a prime year to restructure, which is an odd way to kind of look at this contract that in year two, you know, they can control the structure of it now, but in year two, they may have to revisit the contract to try and create some more room against the cap. This tells me that they're planning on using some of this money maybe this year still, if they're not done adding pieces to this team. And then I guess if they miss out on those guys, they can roll that money over and still be secure with Frank Clark. It's a three-year deal. I think he's an excellent player, and he was going to get paid near the top of defenders anyway, so if you, that's the price of doing business with him. There's a reason Peter Schrager insists that Brett Veach is the riverboat gambler we finally <laughs> found out uh, yesterday. Craig, you, you think looking into this draft, again, this is the Arrowhead Pride draft special. This isn't the trade special, but do you think with the trade, the Chiefs can now really truly go after best player available starting in the second round, which will be Friday? I think so. I, I really do think so. Brett Veach talked a lot about the pockets in the draft in his pre-draft press conference and the two positions or maybe three positions that he mentioned having really good depth in rounds two, three, and four were cornerback, wide receiver, and tight end. Now, those just so happen to be positions that the Chiefs probably could add in this draft and they would look really good. They'd be able to contribute very, very quickly. So I think that the Chiefs can sit back there, evaluate those positions, because they probably have a lot of those guys as the best player available in these pockets, and maybe pick and choose, and it actually will fill a position of need. I think that interior offensive line is also a position that they might still target. There were a lot of rumors that Garrett Bradbury was a pick at 29, so maybe they catch another guy a little bit later to try and bolster the offensive line. But I do think that it's not just going to be defense. I think we will see some offensive players added on Friday, and I think they're going to give Mahomes more tools to play with. Craig, you like football. You like soccer. We know you love beer. We haven't had a beer in a week for a while, so give us an unofficial beer of the draft. Uh, unofficial beer of the draft is Cigar City High Ally IPA. It just recently came to the Midwest from the East Coast. It's, it's an awesome beer. It's like me. Uh, if you like citrus hops <laughs> and hoppy beers, go for it. Craig, how, how nervous are you for tomorrow's scale of 1 to 10? Uh, how's a 12 work? Oh, come on. <laughs> You're you going to be fine, Craig. You can catch Craig Stout and his yeah. nerves tomorrow with the Six Sense Sports radio draft coverage beginning at 7 o'clock. Ken Swanson and Jay Binkley will be on that as well. Thanks, Craig. Now, Sean, I want to turn to you. Uh, based upon what Craig was saying, uh, again, you're very familiar with Steve Spagnuolo and what he likes to do. Are you buying uh, the comments that, listen, Clark, much better fit than D. Ford would have been? Uh, definitely. I mean, you know, uh, playing with the defense back in Philadelphia, we had some guys that are were more built like uh, a Frank Clark, uh, Curse, and those guys that could, they could, you know, position their bodies, get them at a certain angle, penetrate a gap. Uh, play the run and pass. They, they 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 went through a half a man to get to their gap responsibility. And what I mean by that is you start off head up, and then you can take either shoulder, and you go directly through the man's shoulder to capture your gap, as opposed to a guy like D. Ford who starts already on the edge, and either he 
takes that edge right now to get into the backfield. All he does a counter move like a window rush um, to, to, to take a few steps up and then get back into a gap to get into the quarterback's face. Um, unfortunately, when you take that edge alignment, it's easier for the offense to just cut you off, cut you out of gaps, um, run block you because you've already placed yourself um, so far out of a gap. It's easier for the offensive lineman to uh, you know, continue to keep you out of that gap, whereas those head up and those um, um, kind of what we call them the, the inside eyes uh, type alignments, those are really hard for the offensive lineman to decide um, which way to block you. Now you played under Spags before. Chances he gets the most out of Frank Clark? Oh, 100%. Um, it, it, I've always compared Spags' defense to like uh, the, uh, basketball, the pick and roll. Um, no one, you've never been able to stop Stockton to Malone to pick and roll. <laughs> You're always wrong. Whether you hedge, whether you you switch, uh, if you try to you know try to stay with your man, then you, you're going to give up something. You're either going to give up the drive, you can give up the dish, you can give up the popping shot. Um, same thing with pass rush. Uh, when we start taking gaps, pick and roll, hedging, um, they start doing their stunts, the TEs, the big Texas, the quick um, ET stunts, all those things that um, they call. They got one that's called a Big Ben. Um, when, when they start all that stunt package going, um, you, you're going to start thinking the four defensive linemen um, actually have the advantage over the five offenses <laughs> because everything becomes so organic. A natural pick is necessary on every snap. It, it, it gets instant um, pressure on the quarterback. I love that because I think what, re- what really was missing last year uh, was the intensity and, and I think the mixing of packages, so on and so forth. And I think you're finally going to get a fresh look, a change of scenery a necessary change of scenery for this Chiefs defense in 2019. Again, you're listening to the AP Draft Special. We're 24 hours from the NFL Draft starting tomorrow night. The Chiefs don't have a 29th overall pick, but we're going to talk about life without the 29th overall pick, led by our guy, Ken Swanson. That's next. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Draft Special. Pete Sweeney hanging out with Julio Sanchez behind the glass. My pals, my buddies, Sean Barber, Ken Swanson. 24 hours until the NFL Draft. The Chiefs won't be part of the first round this year. Them trading that pick to the Seattle Seahawks. Frank Clark, that was your equivalent of a first rounder this year. Kansas City, the Arrowhead Pride Draft Special continuing on until... 7 o'clock, that's when Jay Binkley will take over. Uh, but for right now, let's talk about the second round and beyond and what we can expect and where uh, Chiefs General Manager Brett Beach likes this class. One of the questions we asked last week was, you know, where do you see the pockets in this draft? And I think Brett Veach, more than his predecessor, is a little bit more revealing about what he likes, and this is what he had to say. I think in that first round, you're going to see a lot of defense alignment off the board early. Um, certainly the quarterbacks that have been talked about I think will go and then after that I think you have a really strong early pocket of defense alignment and then I think tackle I think it's there's a nice wave of tackles um, four or five guys that are going to go pretty early um, I think there's some depth in the second third and fourth round wide out um, and at tight end 
um, which would be um, helpful to us. And and then I think the corner, um, you know, the corner class is is is, is strong. Um, there might not be that top ten guy that you have every year, but I think it's it's deep in, in rounds one, two, and three. Um, you know, really, uh, I think the linebacker class and safety class is a little thin, if I'm being honest. But I think everywhere else there's some really good depth. So there you have it. Brett Veach kind of revealing what he feels are the strengths of the draft class, defensive line off the board early. Thank God the Chiefs don't need tackles because they don't have a pick <laughs> anywhere close to the top. Uh, wide receivers and tight ends in the available in the second and third round. So there's a lot of questions I think out there the Chiefs fans have. I want to give you guys these suggestions, and you can tell me what you think. Kent, Sean, let's start with Kent. Chances of trading back up into the first round. I think it's low. Uh, I think it's possible, but to do it, you're, it's going to cost you 61, 63, and 84, all of your top 100 selections. Um, I was playing around with some of the math for the you know the, the trade value chart that most teams use. It's, it's relatively close across the entire NFL. It would cost all of your top 100 selections left to move all the way up to 26. And you know uh, th- that's about the even value there. I would be very hard to do. The team that holds pick 26 is the Indianapolis Colts, who do have the 34th pick in the draft, so they might feel comfortable not right. picking until, you know, that range. But, gosh, I just that would be a huge move up to just give away three players. I look at it. If it's any GM but Brett Veach, <laughs> I'm saying, right. oh, no way in hell, you know? Yeah. Sean, what do you think? I got thumbs up. I think that you, uh, you would do yourself a disservice not to watch the opening round of the draft if you're a Chiefs fan. If you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to turn it on on Friday when the Chiefs have some picks, you might miss a very interesting pick around pick 30. Woo! The Green Bay Packers. You know something? I mean, they already got a pick. They, they picked, oh, he just winked at me. They got they got <laughs> pick 12. Uh, they already got pick 12. And, you know, so to, to trade out a pick 30, let the Chiefs get back in the first round so Chiefs can get a player where they can hold that fifth-year option, I think that would be uh, a positive for the Chiefs. Um, but there has to be somebody there that they want. It has to be a guy, like like what Brett Veach said, is he sees a lot of depth at linebacker, at cornerback, at tight end. So if, if everybody's taking D-line and offensive tackles and quarterbacks and, and that's none of the guys you got on, you know, that high on your board, and it, it's pushing back some very good players at the end of that first round. If a, you know, if a high, high top-end cornerback, Murphy or Baker or Greedy is still there, even at 30, I think one of the three of them might be there that might press the button, the easy button. Trade up to 30, get to corner, and uh, call it Christmas. It's going to take the two uh, second-round picks and maybe a 2024th-round pick. Leave, leave it to Sean Barber to take scenario one and ruin scenario two because <laughs> scenario two was what are the chances the Chiefs move up in the second round so we know that you think if they can move up into the first round, they can easily move up in the second round. Ken, I'll turn to you. How do you feel about the Chiefs maybe moving up a little bit higher in that second round? You see, I feel better about the Chiefs' chances of moving up in the second round than I do going all into that first round. It would be fun, and you should definitely listen to 610 Sports Radio tomorrow to make sure that the Chiefs don't take a first-round selection by trading up. But I think there's a lot more flexibility and capability for them to move up in the second round. Um, they could do what they did last year where they took two picks and kind of traded up and also traded back with one of those selections with Cincinnati. So, like, you know, they started with pick pick. Pick 54, moved up to 46, but also traded back with 78 to to get to pick 100. So kind of like split the balance, but kept the same volume of picks. Both of their second round picks gets them to 36, roughly. Uh, And a second and a third round pick roughly gets you to that uh, 44-ish range. So, you know, wherever the cornerbacks go off the board, I think if they traded up, it would be for a cornerback. 
So um, I think you got to kind of keep an eye on the cornerback class in the late first round and all the way through the second to see you know if the Chiefs feel that they need to go up and grab their guy that they've identified at corner because it's a, it's a very varied cornerback class with just a lot of preferences uh, for athleticism and stuff like that that. You know, they just kind of got to balance and navigate that and figure out, you know, where they can get the cornerback that they want. Chiefs have seven picks in this draft. The two second rounders, the one third rounder, one fifth rounder, two sixth rounders, and one seventh rounder. The top three picks, 61, 63, and 84. Now, what are the chances the Chiefs decide to take one of those two second rounders and say, let's turn this into more picks. Let's actually move back. I mean, Brett Veach did go on record and saying he's been trying to be a little bit more passive. Yeah, dude, you just traded first and second for Frank Clark. They're not too passive, my man. But we'll see tomorrow. We'll see on uh, you know Thursday and Friday. What are the chances that maybe he moves back? So, I mean, I think there's a chance, and it just kind of depends on your philosophy with this draft. The Chiefs have a known commodity that they've acquired with their first round pick in Frank Clark. So, do they feel that they just want to try to you know get more volume of picks so that they kind of you know ensure that they have more opportunities to hit on a guy in that top 100 ish range? Um, you know, they could move back with 63 and, and move to the 70s and, you know, get a top 110, top 120-ish pick uh, to go with it. I mean, maybe they just want to add another body that has a chance of sticking kind of because they've got that kind of security of knowing that they hit on their first-round pick with such a great talent in Frank Clark. Who knows? The thing I love about this NFL draft, and you saw Matt Miller, Bleach Report the other day, tweeted out, and he is well-connected in the NFL draft. He said his best source told him, Nobody knows what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. in this NFL draft. So anything can happen when that that's even the river riverboat gambler trading back. Uh, Sean, I want to turn to you. Which position is the Chiefs' top priority in this draft when now you're looking at the current roster that includes Frank Clark and thinking about Spags and even the offense? What's the biggest need? I mean, I, I think the team looks like it's pretty much ready to go right now. I mean, even without – I think the, if you look at the you know overall, the, the way that all the NFL teams look, if there was a team that I would say could could play right now with the roster they have and be, you know, one of the top three teams in the league, I would say it was the Chiefs. The one position of concern is definitely linebacker. Um, that's the position going from, uh, you know, a 3-4 to a 4-3. Uh, those three guys got to be playmakers. They got to be guys that can take control of a huddle, uh, make the calls, make the adjustments. Do you have three starters in mind right now who you think would, would slide in there or you're not ready to make that call? I, I mean, I think they have three on the team now, but I wouldn't be surprised um, with um, with some of the guys they have available in this draft um, to to be able to target one of those guys as a guy that can come in and play right away. Um, I, obviously, both Devin, Devin White, Devin Bush, um, they'll be top 15 guys, and I think it's not enough uh, draft capital to move up that far. But after those two guys, man, you know, uh, there's, there's a uh, linebacker, uh, Tavon uh, Coney from uh, Notre Dame, and then um, there's a guy Cashman from Blake uh, Cashman. Blake Cashman from uh, Minnesota. Both of those guys could come in and be uh, on our team right now. I think would definitely compete uh, for a linebacker position um, right out, right, right from day one. Ken, I, I, I assume that you really think that the cornerback is the, the Chiefs' biggest need. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean the Chiefs in 2020. We're gonna look a year ahead. They got they got Tremont Smith and Charvarius Ward under control in 2020. So their depth moving forward at cornerback isn't great. They need to develop a guy that is ready to step in and play a bigger role in 2020 and provide quality depth this year because you saw last year's ability to cover, and it was rough. So 
Um, they they need to probably insulate themselves more at the cornerback position in 2019. And then looking ahead, they've, they've got big needs at cornerback moving forward. Just go and try to find a guy this year and develop them and, uh, and then have a little bit more comfortability next year. The only thing I would argue, and this is where I think I'm a little bit different than other people, and again, you got to remember, Brett Veach said that this position is thin, is if the Chiefs are in win-now mode, one of your starting safeties is Daniel Sorensen, and you look at your cornerbacks, and it's Bashad Breeland and Kendall Fuller and Javarius Ward. So I just look at that, and I, I understand Jordan Lucas could get in that mix, but man, getting a safety who could compete would be great, I think. And I think there's good value in that second round rate. You remember, they've got 61 and 63, so they could very feasibly still address cornerback and safety early, and I would have any problems with them. I think there's some good value belt there. Maybe a guy like Juan Thornhill from Virginia, if he's still around, He's a guy that has a cornerback background, but can play. You know, plays plays a safety role now. So some coverage ability, some coverage coverage versatility. Uh, he'd be a nice add. So I, I think it's entirely possible that they go safety. Now we talked about Tyreek Hill at the top of this program. If you're just catching up on the news today, Johnson County District Attorney's Office had a press conference. Again, there will be no charges filed, and that's only because they don't know who committed the crime against this child. But the one thing we did find out is that he's safe. Uh, so that's, I think, what everyone was, was on everyone's mind is that, that this three-year-old is safe. Uh, but we know that that could come with the potential uh, suspension from the NFL. NFL sort of plays by a different set of rules. Last question for you guys very quickly. Plans change because of Tyree Kill? Wide receiver taken a little bit earlier than you would have thought. I think they were going to go wide receiver or at least a pass catcher in the top 100 anyway. So, um, you know, I don't know if it changes. Maybe maybe they prioritized receiver over everything potentially, but I still think that they were going to invest one in the top 100 anyway. I've got Debo Samuels, Ridley, uh, and Isabella all in that 75 to 80 range. I wouldn't be surprised to see them take uh, one of those guys with that 84th pick. Gave you a lot of names there, but the guys have a couple players they really like, so get your pens out, your papers, again, or whatever, your typewriter or your computer, whatever it is. I know it's 2019. Our guys are going to give you two to three players each to root for to come to the Chiefs in this draft, and that's next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The uplifting sounds of the Arrowhead Pride Draft Special. Pete Sweeney, Sean Barber, Ken Swanson, Julio Sanchez wrapping this thing up. 7 o'clock, Bink at night. You're not going to want to miss with Jay Binkley weighing in on Tyreek Hill, Frank Clark, Chiefs Draft, so on and so forth. Should be a big show. But for now, we're wrapping it up. And I want to talk about day two. Because again... Sean, I hate to break it to you. In all likelihood, the Chiefs won't be making a big turnout. <laughs> Hold you're on. Wrong. I think you're wrong, This man, man predicted the Chiefs were going to average 35 points a game on offense And what did we do? Year. And then they averaged 35 points a game on we g- offense. We giggled. I giggled a little bit. I cackled. I mean, I you snickered. You snickered at me. I snickered. I snarled. I cackled. Whatever whatever you want to say. And Call, you called I for me to it. take a random drug test. <laughs> and then it. it happened. And I'm not going to reveal the results. We, we locked those away. <laughs> we're past 420. Okay, buddy. Two day two players. I want to talk about day two. Again, Chiefs picks 61, 63, 
and 84, two names that will probably still be available when the Chiefs pick, and that's without trade-ups and so on and so forth. That could happen tomorrow. Who knows? But let's just assume they keep the picks they have. Kent, I'll start with you. Who's a guy, if you're choosing, you know, I know you like to say my guys. Who's one of your guys that you like? So it, it might require a small trade-up. We'll see. But a guy named Sean Bunting, a, a cornerback from uh, Central Michigan, uh, he tested at an exceptional level with the NFL Combine. So his athletic pro- profile is really solid. Um, he was a receiver when he first came to Central Michigan, and he was a walk-on or a gray shirt and worked his way and developed into a really nice, promising corner. Solid athletic profile. His best footballs ahead of him. Willing tackler. I'm a big fan of him. Long, athletic. I think he'd be a great developmental corner for the Chiefs in the second round. I want. I, sh- I buried the lead a little bit. So I want to tell people out there, you should listen to Kent and follow Kent, because last year Kent was appalled by Breland Speaks. <laughs> Speaks didn't have the greatest season, and he really, really liked Jesse Bates, yes, who I was did. taking in the Chiefs' original pick, and he had a fantastic yeah, year. Might did. have been the difference between the Chiefs' Super Bowl and that, but let's not Can go down that road. Can we not go there right road. now? Okay. Sean, we'll go to you. Well, I think with that 61-63, um, you know, it's only a pick in between them. So I think with those two picks, man, they're going to be looking – um, as, a, as, as a guy to compliment Travis Kelsey. So I'm looking for a second tight end, uh, Jay Sternenberger uh, from Texas A&M. Uh, he's the highest-rated receiving tight end in the draft this year. Um, and if not him, I think they go with the, the tight end from Alabama, um, Irv Smith Jr. Um, you, you got one guy who is the highest-rated tight end, and the other one is the most athletic. Um, either way, you're going to have a perfect compliment to one Zeus, Travis Kelsey, um, and I think that puts you in a great position in a few na- in a few years from now when it's time to negotiate a contract with Kelsey because it doesn't leave you handcuffed. Yeah, you listen to Brett Veach again going back to what he said about pockets, wide receiver and tight end, he feels are strong in the second, third, and fourth round. So, again, I think now that you've kind of shored up the defense, you have some starters there, you may see some offensive players. People underrate, I think, all the time how much Andy Reid values that second tight end. He loves you know two, two tight end sets, I think, even before – they had Patrick Mahomes. He liked three tight end sets. Maybe not so much anymore now that you can have a guy that throws down the ball down the field. Right. <laughs> um, but you really do need a number two and some of the competition there. So I, I could really see the Chiefs taking a tight end on day two. Kent, we'll go back to you. Uh, give me a guy named Hakeem Butler, the wide receiver from Iowa State. Uh, talk to me about it. This guy is 6'5", 230 pounds. Uh, and he also has a a rare athletic profile. He he showed out at the NFL Combine four four eight forty thirty six inch vertical one hundred twenty eight inch broad jump had thirteen sound like you're describing Hulk Hogan. I, I <laughs> close uh, thirteen hundred ten yards last year. Extremely productive. Averaged twenty two yards per reception. He has some of the most impressive catches in the entire class. He struggles with some focus drops at times, but. Um, showed the ability to work inside and out so he can play in the slot, he can play outside, uh, and he's got a lot of that versatility that the Chiefs like with their receivers. He'd be an excellent add and a great long-term weapon for Patrick Mahomes moving forward. I know it's a wide receiver, but the Chiefs need to fill that player who struggles with focus drop from time to time. Demetrius <laughs> right. Harris is a Cleveland Brown. Uh, Sean, I'll turn it back over to you. Who else do you like? I'm going to reinforce that linebacker position. I know it's a thin position in the draft. The Tier 1 guys are obviously the two Devons. Um, but they're so high up in the draft, there's no possibility of getting them day two. But um, I'm going to go back to the guy from Notre Dame. Um, he's one of the great cover linebackers in the draft, uh, Coney. And then my man Cashman. Cashman, uh, he's going to represent Minnesota well. He's going to enter the league and be a guy that can really uh, perform um, as an outside linebacker on first and second down and maybe move to a Mike 
in passing situations. So I like either one of those guys um, with the with the sixty third uh, pick. So there you have some people to watch as you are going into day two of the NFL draft. Again, don't sleep on day one. You never do know with the Riverboat Gambler, Brett Veach, uh, calling the shots in the Chiefs' war room. I want to move on to bold predictions. If you have a bold prediction for this draft, again, you go out on a little bit of a limb, uh, show some onions here with your pick. Kent, what do you think is going to happen in this draft? The Chiefs will not pick at 61 or 63. Are you going to eat your tweet again? I, no. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't have to eat the tweet. I know. I, I, I came out bold. They will not pick at 61 or 63. That doesn't mean, I don't know if this could be a trade up or trade back, but Veach will I, not pick at 61 or pick at 63. I know what you're what you're thinking there. You're thinking of that double pick trade like we saw last year. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, uh, Sean, your bold prediction for this draft. My bold prediction is, is very finite. I'm going with a man, Jamel Dean, a cornerback from Auburn. Size of an outside linebacker, feet of a cornerback. You're saying the Chiefs are definitely taking this guy. He's going to be drafted, but not at cornerback. He's going to be drafted to be the safety. Oh, Runs man. like a cornerback, 4-3 speed, 206, but he's going to come in and play safety for us to cover all those, uh, those, those gifted tight ends that we face in the league. So, uh, Mr. Auburn, welcome to Kansas City. <laughs> Speaking of posi- position change, the Chiefs had a position change last year when they drafted the defensive lineman, Khalil McKenzie, to turn him into a guard. My bold prediction is they're going to take 61, 63, 84 after going all defense last year. They're going to go all offense. You'll see a wide receiver, a tight end, and an interior offensive lineman in the like top. That. The hashtag score picks. 100 movement is live and active if that happens. So, as I said, we got Bink at Night coming up in a few minutes. Jay Binkley will be on with our draft coverage uh, tomorrow night. Kent, so will you. What can fans expect on 610 Sports Radio tomorrow? Oh, we got all kinds of stuff planned. I know the Chiefs don't. Have a selection right now, but you are going to get great coverage of all these picks, how they affect the Chiefs moving forward with with, with the AFC West and maybe kind of identifying some things that could help the Chiefs on day two. You're going to get coverage from Nashville. You're going to get coverage from... Right, Show and Vern will be in Nashville. Yep. I'll be at Arrowhead Stadium. If, God forbid, there is a pick, Sean will be hanging out at home. Who knows? No, I'm, gonna hang out at home, man. I'm going down to uh, Talk of the Town, man. Uh, 119 for Kavira. Oh, I didn't even know you had a plug. Go ahead. What are you, what are you doing? I'll be at Talk of the Town, 119 for Kavira. My man, the guy who owns it, Steve, he'll have me down there for probably the first 20 picks. If you find me at, at the bar and you tell me what my bold prediction is, I'll buy you a beer. There you go. And this is someone who has guaranteed cheesecake on the radio before. So he, he, he follows up with these radio guarantees. I'm going to have to tell Bink I'm going to have to step away for a few picks during uh, the first <laughs> round and go say what's up to Barber. Well, that, that's true. I mean, one thing we're going to have tomorrow, too, and I, I'm very excited about this, and it'll probably be embarrassed that I say this, is the debut of Craig Stout in studio with Ooh. some draft coverage. It's so going to be fun. That should be fun. Um He's Sean Barber. Thank you to him. Thank you to Craig Stout for coming on with us. Uh, Kent Swanson, thank you to you. You can hear me tomorrow with Kent, Craig, Jay. Again, the first night of the draft. Chief-specific draft coverage. You're not going to want to miss that. Thank you to Julio Sanchez. Uh, this has been the Arrowhead Pride draft special. Make sure you stick with, with us right now for Bink at Night next. I'm going to stick with him for about a half hour or so. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Thanks, guys.